Welcome to Downtime Goes Downhill, a podcast miniseries that's taking you with us as we have a go at racing downhill at both a regional and national level. And in this episode, we're going to be bringing you some advice from some of the best in the world to help us and you to perform better. Downtime Goes Downhill would not be happening without the support of some incredible brands. So a massive thank you to Canyon Bikes, Fox Suspension, Wahoo Fitness, Fox Clothing and Protection, Maxxis Tires, Magura Brakes and We Are One Composites Wheels for the best setup in the business. This is episode six, the first of our episodes where we're chatting to the world's best to find out how we can perform better. Today, we're joined by owner of True Performance and coach to the MS Mondraker team, Ollie Morris. Ollie's going to help us to optimize our race week process. What should we be doing in the week running up to the race? How should we be approaching track walk and practice? What does it take to lay down your best possible race run and plenty more? This is focused on downhill racing, but there's so much in here that's applicable either to enduro racing or just generally going away for a good weekend on the trails. So without further ado, here's Downtime Goes Downhill, episode six with Ollie Morris. Ollie Morris, uh, welcome back to the podcast, mate. How's how's life? You had a couple of weeks off of World Cup racing and you're not heading out to the last block, right? Yeah, good, nice to speak to you, Chris. And uh, yeah, life's good. It's uh, it, it, getting those sort of slightly end of season fives even with two races to go and obviously I still have work to do for the team and and riders out in the states um so I so I have this like edginess still with like having to complete the job if you like out there whilst also having that nice feeling being back with the family and having enjoying the sort of start of the autumn to be fair so um yeah nice balance at the moment I'd say mate nice sounds good man well we're um Trying to put together some content for the Downtime Goes Downhill series uh, to like help not only us, but help other riders around the world get better at racing. doesn't necessarily have to be downhill racing, but the focus of this is that. And uh, I wanted to pick your brains on like process, I guess. So like in the week leading up to the race and throughout the race itself, what sort of things can we be doing to give ourselves like the best chance of uh, performing well, but also I guess like enjoying it not being too stressed by it having a good time while we're there um just so happens we're recording this in the run-up to uh our last race of the season it's probably going to go out after that but um yeah we've got hopped and pierce round this weekend so we'll sort of hook it around the pierce series and what the pierce series has some maybe differences in format to some racing around the world so we can talk a bit about that um but yeah let's let's open up with like the week leading up to a race like what sort of things might you be doing to make sure that you're ready to go with like training prep packing all that kind of stuff yeah it can be quite a stressful week leading up to a race can't it especially obviously as a privateer going to a hopton race there's you know nine till five or some sort of work like leading up to the week uh you know sort of keeping half an eye on the weather maybe stressing about whether it's going to be wet or dry all those sorts of things are you inside my head you know yeah (laughs) I've just raced quite a few times, to be fair, Chris. Yeah, um, uh, you, you, you know, you're worried about actually you've been inside your head. You're worried about being a little bit ill or something, as you you said that you're feeling a little bit ropey. Yeah. Um, so there's quite there's there's like all the the life admin going on, you know, like like kids, all that sort of stuff, kind of going on, and 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 that does never stops let's be honest uh whilst this sort of ongoing like niggle in your mind about making sure that you're ready for the race right so making sure you kind of like you know can get there and have all your stuff and 
be ready and hopefully like perform quite well and have a good weekend kind of thing. So, so yeah, week leading up to the race, based on what I've just said, the priority is looking after you uh-huh. and your mind. And I think it's a really interesting thing here and probably the first thing that people probably don't think I'm going to speak about, but everyone's like, you know, what parts do I need to take? And like, what should I do in the gym and all these stuff? Let's be honest, mate. You, you, that's probably the stuff you like were hinting when we were, you know, in, the, in just our emails and stuff before this, this uh, podcast. And it's like, so number one is if you're relaxed and if you're feeling comfortable in your mind, that's going to be the biggest thing to help you on the weekend. You know, if, yeah. if, if you forget a, rim, a spare mech or a spare tyre, okay, that, yeah, that, you know, if it rains and you've forgotten your wet tyres, that is going to impact you. But getting stressed about f- forgetting a rear mech will cause you more issues than forgetting the rear mech. Yeah. Um, so first thing, however you relax, like make sure you put that time into the week, you know, like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of like meditation and like, properly relaxing as as i would call it but whatever your meditation is whatever your way of actually just not thinking taking your mind off things for sure put that in number one nice um next the next thing in the week leading up to um so is then you're like let's stay on the you bit because you are more important than your equipment although i think the world that we live in uh, pushes you towards the other way but the person is the priority starting with the mind and then leading on to the body and then there's the equipment after that so to stay with you naturally there's like you know um uh, your body and and your fitness side of things um first thing to note is you're not going to get any fitter you're not going to get any stronger the week the week leading up to a race like that is a fact and uh anybody who thinks that they need to do like three gym sessions lifting heavy weights and all the rest of this stuff um uh it ain't gonna work that way you know as simple as that if anything it'd probably be detrimental because your body will be recovering and won't really help um but some form of activation i think is a good word to call it uh leading up uh to the race is really good so especially let's be honest at our, i'll say our age chris <laughs> um we don't we don't want to um uh, we don't want to stop. So if you yeah. have some level of activity, some level of training, the one thing you don't want to do is just go, right, I'm just going to totally stop and not use my body all week. Um, but as I've already said, you don't want to use it as much as maybe normal or too much. Um, um, so the key here, two things is active, well, is, is, is focused around activation, but one is activating your muscles. So don't do a strength session, but some light stuff with bands, you know, very light and low, like um, uh, body weight stuff, maybe. But like, you know, basically activate your core, activate your glutes, get that stuff firing. Because if that goes to sleep, again, I'm probably going to raise age again here, but especially at our age, if that goes to sleep, it's not going to want to work on the weekend. Yeah. So get that stuff going well. Um, uh, and then if you, and then the only thing that, and some people don't like this, but if when I do it, it really helps. And that's uh, some form of intervals. Like if you don't normally yeah. do intervals, it might not be a good thing to be fair. But um, if you're used to doing some sort of interval or speed training, like just do some, but it doesn't have to be much. So I, I, I almost don't want to talk numbers because everybody seems to in this day and age have different numbers that they do, but just taper it, like do less, you know? So if you normally do six one minute sprints, maybe do you know, just do three or something like that, and maybe or maybe make them thirty seconds long. Reduce it is the simple thing. So, um, the yeah, because it's all about activating. You want to feel 
good, don't you? I've said about feeling good in the mind, you want to feel good in the body. Yeah, makes total sense. I've seen uh, people say like, even just little like five second, almost like start gate sprints, maybe just 10 of those, like good rest in between, just to like get all the, you know, the muscle groups firing and your body working and ready to go. So kind of, I guess that sort of makes sense in the context of that. Yeah, and if you do, uh, it, it seems to be that some trainers push people more on the five second stuff, and some are like way more in, like into the, like, um, like minutes, if you like. And so, and that's why I say whatever you do, do similar, but but bring it back a little bit, you know. And maybe again, when it, it doesn't have to be quite as hard as you do, you know, like so it's. Um, but some people who don't do intervals probably then I wouldn't do intervals, you know. If you if you just if you do. If your normal life is like some basic cardio, maybe just do a couple of basic cardios, you know, steady hour ride one evening or whatever, you know. But um, again, time, we don't have much time, especially this time of year. We don't get much of an evening as well. Um, so, you know, it's about fitting it around your life and not wedging it in and stressing about it because coming back to point one, we need to make sure that we're relaxed, you know. Yeah. like So relax beats sprint (laughs) yeah um so that's that's like the you bit and then there's obviously the other stuff isn't there and this stuff can be a little bit more fiddly and and a bit more like arguably not sometimes maybe not as fun depending on who you are but um things like actually have have a look at the schedule before you go like you know don't don't look on the weekend find it it's probably been emailed to you yeah, definitely be on the organizer's website or on the British Cycling website. Um, so, like, ch- actually look at the schedule and 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 <laughs> depending on which race, you know, there'll be certain times where you're not required, if you know what I mean. So, like, yeah. I sometimes like just delete the bits out of the schedule that I'm not that are not needed, so I can just look at the bits that I need to focus on and I need to look at. Um, so, look at the schedule. And that's where you can then start bringing in some of your race planning. So you can start saying, okay, well, you know, we get that much practice in the morning on Saturday. We get that much in the afternoon. Um, we get a little bit more in the morning on Sunday. And you could, we're, I think we're going to talk about this as the through the podcast about what we'd maybe put into those. But um, but yeah, make a little bit of a race plan. doesn't need to take long, but just something. Have like a little bit of like, okay, I'm going to do so many runs here and I, you know, this is when I'm going to do a fast run and all those sorts of things to give you a little bit of an idea about like how you're going to build through the weekend. Um, uh, and then otherwise, as we've already mentioned weather, but like double check some of those things like weather, logistics, you know, just keep it like get yourself like prepped. And it, again, it doesn't have to be boring prep, but and it can only take 10 minutes but it's just worth doing because otherwise most people will probably just have this little niggle in their mind all week sort of going, oh, I think I need to do that. I think I need to do the other. So get some sort of prep done. Um, and part of that prep probably leads on to our second point, I think, which is about this, like, you know, what do you actually pack? <laughs> what yeah. do you kind of take to a race? Hey, Chris? Yeah, is there stuff that you would all, I mean, obviously there's like your race bike, your race kit, spares, but is there stuff that maybe people wouldn't think about that you find useful to have with you at a race yeah so i suppose yeah like you say there is the spares and all and everyone's going to have different level of spares aren't they depending on i guess the program how much money what they can afford sometimes but it's normally just some of these like remember the real like i see a lot of like people turning up without like roll-offs or tear-offs and stuff like this and 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 it's like you, you, yes, it's more money, but it's like 
it's on a really bad race or, or like a mud guard you know it's like if on a really bad race if you have if you're not ready to do that then you you've you've not saved yourself 30 quid on some tear offs or or more i guess on roll offs but you've not saved yourself money on that. you've lost yourself a few hundred quid on travel and getting to the race yeah. and all the rest yeah. and the other because you've wasted your time so it's sometimes just remembering those small things for that hopefully you won't need um rather than necessarily the big things you know like i have this thing where you walk around your garage or wherever your bike is and like the spare wheels are probably near them so you're probably going to remember your spare wheels if you if you have spare wheels and they're in the garage you know this it's not too hard to remember that stuff but it's the it's the tear offs being being left up on a shelf somewhere you know or or the spare goggles hit you know it's it's that sort of stuff that's um that's important um and and we've already spoken about nutrition so for sure like whatever nutrition you use if you use like you know so an isotonic type stuff or i mean jesus like salt and lemon can can do you know something to help with the kind of fluid side of things um uh and if you can and again this i think it's worth really mentioning this because not everybody has an opportunity to do stuff but i always think like like people at races will see me on my trail bike probably e-bike to be fair but see me on a non-downer bike quite a lot and i get this comment from people say they're like oh are you not racing because obviously sometimes i am at races not racing on a trail bike in my job and uh and they they almost think because i'm on the trail bike i'm not racing but um so I think, like, if you have a trail bike and you have space in the van, take it. Like, okay. and we'll talk more about it later, but like, definitely take it. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Yeah. Fair. And I've I've found a couple of things that have helped me is like, in the garage I've got a race box. So like, there's a just a big plastic box that all the stuff that I would take to a race just lives in. So I can just grab it off the shelf, throw it in the car, and I know it's got like brake pads, spare you know this and that tires sealant all that kind of stuff in it race board number uh sticky back plastic to stick the number on all that kind of stuff um and then again like with all my kit i've got like a race bag as well so like all the stuff i need for a race like tear offs and goggles and all that kind of stuff's in one spot so i might want to check through it but like i've not got to like sift around 20 different spots to put it all together like it just saves me hassle in that week because ultimately like you said there's always you're always short of time in the week running up to a race like work doesn't switch off and all that jazz and give you all the time you need so yeah i found that's pretty helpful just yeah that sounds perfect and if you think about it linking back to my point about like making sure you're relaxed that race box is done weeks before isn't it kind of thing so or you know it's always there kind of thing so it's like another thing you don't have to think about leading up to like in that week and so the more you can do with that the better you know like um like if you're putting you know new tires on the spare wheels or wet tires on the spare wheels you know again that try to feed that into weeks before kind of thing because there's no often no reason why it can't be um you know it's simple i mean i guess it's it it, it probably feeds into like simple preparation doesn't it kind of stuff and some people will are a bit more naturally last minutes people and some people are a bit less but even the last minute people it's definitely worth doing some of those things um uh because yeah like you say then the, the week leading up to it can be a little bit more uh, relaxed yeah nice let's talk about track walk we could probably do a whole episode on the art of the track walk but um let's assume we're going to get there and this is the first race i think that we're going to all be there to track walk together on the friday evening 
um, which is going to be cool. But yeah, like how should we be approaching that that Friday evening track walk before the race weekend really kicks off? What are we looking at? How are we analysing it? Like what's the approach? Yeah, it's um, uh, track walk is is awesome, and I think as you get more experience, like as you do more of them, you learn more about where you should be looking and what you should be looking at and what you should be thinking about. Um, the like so naturally track walk you're out there looking at lines like that's a, that's an obvious thing we probably don't need to talk about that you're having a look at the lines uh, down the track but it's worth thinking about track walk as a whole as like this is your first step of information gathering so if, if you're like for a race weekend you go from thinking making bringing in info then you go to a point of like making decisions with that info and then obviously, then as we'll talk about when we get to race run, then you go to not thinking about it and just riding off of the what you've programmed into your mind and body um, through the weekend. So again, track walk, it's your first step. I guess arguably you've watched a pre, you've either raced the track before, you might have a bit of info from the past, watched a GoPro or whatever. But the track walk's the first time where you can start gathering some proper information. So information like what the terrain is like is so important you know like starting to think about is there loads of grip or is there not very much grip you know like naturally like wet or dry is one thing but like yeah what the terrain's like is the terrain going to break up and is it going to be full of holes and you know like a berm's not going to be there or whatever or is it actually pretty hard pack and you know like some of the tracks in the UK you know, we've ridden them for so long, they, 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 some of these sections in them, are th- they're there. They're not going to change very much, you know. So, you, so like, it's trying to look at that sort of information in terms of the track um, because then that's going to help start helping you make some of your decisions, like the mm. lines you're going to take, like the, the setup of the bike and the tire, you know, such as the tyres you're going to run and all of this stuff. But you need to make sure you get the information gathering bit done right first like in any job, you know, like in anything you do, it's like gather information, then make a decision. Um, so you've, you've thought about that. You're thinking about like where, you know, what it's like. And there may be obviously different types of dirt as you go down, you know, it might be some rocks, rocky sections or stuff that's got through to like, like often in sort of Wales, you get in North Wales, you get through to like that slate kind of slick uh, stuff, which in the wet is horrible and in the dry isn't so bad. Um uh, you know, or you may have a fresh section which is a bit loamy, whatever. So there's all of that sort of information in terms of like track and the conditions of it. Then as you're going through, it's worth thinking then about the other information. It's like where you think some of the key, I want to use the words key sections because it's used so much at World Cups, but I almost want to just say like key turns, like like uh, something I do, and, and we just had the National this weekend, is is the longer the straight or the longer the bit where you're not breaking, the um, more important the bit coming into it is. Yeah, okay. so because it's an anybody at a Pierce to carry race, speed, right? Yeah, exactly. And like anybody at a Pierce race or a national is is would be happy to hold any amount of speed down some of the straights. I don't think there's like a level looking at the level nowadays of how good people are. There's not. There's not people who are like scared to maybe go, you know, wanting to go a bit slow on on a, on a normal straight. Let's say nothing too technical. Obviously, most start changing there. But the longer that straight is, the more important that turn is before it. So that's where, like, you got that's where you want to start thinking about 
how much you're breaking for that turn, the line for the turn. That's where you want to pay some more focus on it. And even, you know, British tracks where they, some of them are a bit flatter, think about whether you should be pedaling out of that turn, you know, like it's something yeah. as a coach I probably wouldn't in a training day work with people on. But actually when it comes to racing, sometimes you need to put a couple of pedals in out of a turn to get that extra bit of speed again. So so, so this part of this information, you're still thinking about, yeah, okay, so how long is this straight? What, like, what parts of the track matter more than others, if you know what I mean? Almost like a prioritizing. Yeah, got you. Okay. Um, once you've done that, I suppose then the other thing you want to, and this is the thing I really push the riders that I work with on, and that's thinking about, like, I guess some people would call it like the key to the track, if you like. Um, but what the I sort I kind of use the terminology sometimes like what what the track needs to win on it. So, um, in other words, does the track demand uh, really really good braking? And I'm going to just mention a few tracks to give examples. Um, maybe not British tracks, but like people have watched Ludenville, for example, and we spoke about it on the post show, didn't we, Chris? Like yeah. how um, how braking and the 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 finesse and quality of people's braking was like the thing that maybe ended up winning that race you know and, and if, you, if you if you can find that information even before the race if you know it before the race like then you know how it then feeds it's your good information for then the next step which will be obviously practicing and, yeah. and working on the track um does the track demand like really good timing again another track that demands timing is definitely Val de Sol. it's all about that like making sure that you hit your marks really really well and that's going to give you the speed uh, does it demand respect, you know, get, get, or, or the opposite to that? You know, or is it just a YOLO track? Tell you what, let off the brakes, give it everything, and you'll probably make it through. And then if you make, you know, and 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 then you you might be the fastest. Or is it more about show it some respect, slow it down, get, you know, do the sort of downhill 101 of braking early and next in well, all those sorts of things. You know, does it demand precision or pedaling? Whatever it is, it's like try to figure out what the track demands because then that's going to start giving you an idea, as I said, about how you can then go and practice a track um, uh, in in the first practice session. Okay, that makes sense. What what I'm thinking while you're telling me this is that all of that view improves with experience right so the more races you do the more venues you've been to the more types of terrain you've ridden and raced on the better you're going to get at taking that view of the track and distilling it down in the way you talked about if let's say this is someone's first race and maybe they've never Mm -hmm. done a track walk before would you change any of that how would you approach like you know someone's first track walk I would, if I, yeah, so to help people with that experience, I suppose, if I'm hearing you right there, Chris, it's like, like, you'll sue, it's quite, it's, you'll sue, if a, if a track's really steep, probably braking is going to be a higher importance. Uh-huh. You know, if a track's flatter, let's take Antistiniog, like I heard a few people sort of moaning the track was a little bit flat and things like that at Anta the other day. So if you know it's flat, like logic decide, tells you, or even science that gravity's not feeding you down this hill, you know, like, so you're going to have to put some input into that. So, so Anta, for example, like, you know, pumping, like making sure you're pumping and timing your pumping was super important and putting in those extra pedals. Like, you know, you needed those extra big power pedals to make sh- out of some of the turns to make sure it worked. Um, 
So you can start like on very simple stuff of like steep versus flat or loose versus hard pack can start giving you some of that like info of like, okay, well, based on that, I'll try this. And the other thing is, is you won't, you don't always have to come up with the answer on track walk. (laughs) And this is actually a really important thing. I say this about lines, but also about approach. You want to come up with some of the thoughts, like, you know, it's again, it's part of information gathering. It's like, okay, it's, you know, it's quite a slick track. Let's talk Hopton, you know, it, uh, it's not the steepest of tracks. It might have a little bit of a steeper bit at the top. Um, so it's definitely going to be a speed carrying track. I haven't seen the weather, although it might actually not be too bad, but there's, mm. it's, probably, it's not going to be bone dry, is it? No, it's going to be wet, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got a not very steep track that's kind of wet, you know? There's other, then there's other info about the track that you'll get on track walk as you go. You know, there's quite a few routes at Hopton, um, that sort of stuff. So you're gonna that's that sort of stuff's coming into into play. So actually, like speed carrying is going to be super important, um, but equally part of that speed carrying, like making sure you're not breaking over routes and probably some like maybe a little bit of like you knowing some of the turns they'll put in. It will be make sure that you get make set up lines really well. You know, like not just plowing through lines and hoping you come out, like actually setting up quite well, hitting some routes or jumping some routes square and then hitting them, you know, and then getting the extra speed onto the flatter section. So, so yeah, it definitely is experience. You're right. But to help just try, just answer some really like ask yourself and answer some really obvious questions. Like, is it loose? Is it steep? Is it open? Is the, yeah. you know, are the turns tight? All those sorts of things. Okay. Makes total sense. So yeah, we roll out of that then we're into practice on the Saturday. Do you go into practice with a plan or are you just having a great time riding your bike down the hill? Cause that's the, that's the, uh, easy trap to fall into. Like Pierce is super good. The uplifts are very efficient. It's very easy to just have a mint uplift day with your mates. So, and I guess it depends who you are, doesn't it? And what you want out of the weekend. Let's be totally honest. Like, so number one rule, have a great time on the bike, you know, like as we, I think you even said before, or as we started the podcast and like, I for sure like have, have the best time. Um, uh, if you want to then feed in a few like bits of, um, or say a practice plan, um, then it is going to help you to the outcome. And and if you really care about performance, then having a practice plan and then analyzing whether the plan worked after the race, even better again, because you can say, well, I plan to do that. I did that. Actually, I still didn't feel quite ready for the race. What did I miss? You know, yeah. or, I felt worn out by the race. Okay, what did I do too much of? Or what, you know, like you can, again, there's simple without, it doesn't need to be complicated, but there's simple things that you can kind of look at. So, so yeah, definitely have a little plan, like something for some, some British races. Um, Cause normally British races, it's just an uplift all day on Saturday, isn't it? You like start at nine ish, half eight, finish at five ish or whatever. So normally you've got an uplift day. So with that uplift day, you need to get some key like things in there, and and one of those is a full run and a full and fast run. Don't okay. save your fast runs for race day, for sure. Like <laughs> it's it's quite an interesting interesting one. Like do less if it'd be better to do a less less runs and then make sure you do a full and fast one in terms of energy because um, if you're if you're hiding from the fact or worried about the fact of what that full and fast run, like how, what it's going to feel like, um, well, tomorrow it's going to happen and probably twice at a Pierce race, right? So yeah. 
so the sooner you get it in, the better. Um, uh, yeah, I push it like at, at World Cups, I push it re- quite hard, and it's quite hard at World Cups because tracks are long and very physical. But I push it really hard, and it's the, the 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 time practice thing this year has been a bit fiddly, and we haven't known whether it's on or it's off, and it's it's made that quite difficult for a coach to like make sure that these riders are getting in that full fast run, and in World Cups having it timed as well. So. But another thing to note, actually, whilst I mentioned World Cups, have you seen this? I'd lo- I think there's some stats come out here, and maybe Chris Kilmurray is going to be the better guy to do this, get these uh, figures for us. But the at World Cups, the margins for how close people are in the top five, in from what I'm seeing this year in the finals run, is closer than previous years. Right. Okay. And I think the reason for this is they have a semi final before it, and. The semi-final to the final, they're not learning any more about the track. You know, they're not changing lines, maybe, Probably, maybe very yeah. rarely, but they're not, you know, that's not the reason. It, for me, I think the reason is that they've had an extra run flat out. Like yeah, they've okay. had an extra run going as fast as they can. So then when it comes to the finals run, they're all, they've all figured out this like like very fine tuning and very um, subconscious. They're probably not even totally aware of it. They're not sitting down with somebody saying, right, I'm going to change this, this, and this. Although they may also do that. But I think it's the small stuff that just they've learned and then they do that. Then the runs get more consistent and faster and hence the reason I think the time's getting closer. Bring that to regionals, bring that to to um, to Hopton and the Pierce. Like how useful is it if you did, like even a timed run, like a little bar timer, I don't know. Start yeah. your phone and put it in back in your pocket or something. However you want to time yourself. Uh, some some regionals and nationals have timing on on the Saturday anyway. Like and actually just do a timed run. It doesn't need to be. You might be on some of the wrong lines, and you might uh, and you might and you will make mistakes. But the learning from it is huge. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Da- yeah. Do you have you done that at other races, Chris? Like no, if you're I honest, haven't. like that you've no, done. No, I I always err on the side of like trying to manage energy through the weekend i guess so i'm like i don't want to i don't think i've ever like race pedaled out of the gate in a practice run like not even on the sunday morning Mm. so i my probably my first like foot i'll I'll ride like a a pace that i feel is fairly quick but i won't be putting in like race level effort out the gate race level effort out of turns that need pedaling out of i'll like save that and i don't other than trying to save energy i don't have any real reason for that i don't think i got you i got you yeah so so maybe just to put an example for what you can do at hopton then like an example of like a rough plan and 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 again you you can tweak and change this but if you think about it you've done your track walks you've gathered information you come to practice in the morning you need the first few practice runs are still you're still in information gathering stage, aren't you? You know, you're like you're you're actually finding out the grip levels at that point. You're actually finding out whether that high line is possible to get on. You're actually finding out if you've got enough speed to get over the gap that you promised all the boys you're going to do, <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly realise you can't do it. Um, you know, you get you, your information gathering, aren't you? More so, so do those first two or three runs um, where you, you you're gaining that information. And part of that information maybe trying the odd section at a little bit of a higher speed, but not the yeah. full run and all this. You know, it's like do all of those those first three runs. And then they're pressure free then, aren't they? They're just they're not put you're not trying to perform. You're trying to learn. Yeah. As I said, information gather. 
So go out with those pressure-free information gather. Once you've got that information, come back, have some have some food. Like that, that could be two or that could be four runs, whatever you think. Three's three's quite nice because often the first one we're sort of getting yes, even where we shouldn't up. be. We're still sort of plugging into it a bit, aren't we? Yeah. Um, and then the second and third you can actually start playing with. Then I would come back, have a little break, maybe have some lunch or brunch, whatever time it is now. Like have some, have a little bit of food, and then go up after that and try the full and fast run straight after that. Okay. You won't be ready. You will not be ready, and you will not want to do it. But try it <laughs> because you will actually gain quite a lot of info, and you'll be able to analyze quite a lot from that run. Okay. Um, and and if I'm honest, you'll be miles ahead of everybody else in your understand true understanding of, of the of the track. <laughs> Okay, fair. Is and but there's a risk with that as well, I guess, right? You, how when you start pushing like that, the risk of hurting yourself obviously goes up. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. So it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be risky. You're only going to go the speed that you can at that moment, aren't you? So it's not. You're not going. I mean, hopefully, maybe you are, but you're not going to go the speed that you will be able to go come Sunday come race day you're just going to go like you take an enduro race so they do but well, maybe not even not maybe none who run sometimes but they do one run and then they go flat out on a run right and that's, yeah i struggle on enduro because that's not enough for me to like go at but like so you've got enough information to do a performance run it just may be full of mis- like it may have a few mistakes and you probably won't be on all the perfect lines but but you'll learn you'll learn the mistakes you'll learn is like, oh shit, like I shouldn't have gone that fast there, or wow, I went way too slow there, or actually there's quite a lot of grip at that speed, or you know, you're gonna you, you when you analyze the run, you'll have you'll have so much more in terms of how to race the track info than uh, than not. It it may not work for you, but definitely worth a try. And maybe if you want to okay. do it later in the day, then do it later in the day. But I always like to, especially at nationals, I like to do it after like lunch, after my sort of lunch session or at regionals even, because um, uh, it's a bit more real to tomorrow. Tomorrow yeah. you're going to have a big long break after you practice, or yeah, and then you have to suddenly just hammer down a hill. And you've said to me already, is that dangerous? And it's like, well, or is that risky? I think you might have said, but like, so yeah, maybe it is but no more risky than doing it the next day. <laughs> yeah, no, totally fair comment. I guess like I like I said, I'm always sort of cautious of energy management throughout a weekend. So actually mm. doing it after about three runs feels kind of right for me. I feel like three or four runs is enough for me to like learn a track, know where I'm going, be able to ride it like at a reasonable pace. But I'm not at that point where I'm like starting to crumple into the bike if things go a bit wrong or I can't, my, my energy's not mm. fading generally, unless the, it depends how physical the venue is, I guess. But like, yeah, at that point in the day, I'm probably at my in my best position to put in like a pretty good run, I think. I find my, my riding yeah. tends to start to fade. And that I guess that's a question is like, how do, you, how do you decide when to stop on a Saturday practice day? Because like I've said, it, Pierce is really efficient with uplifts. You can get a lot of runs in you are having a lot of fun with your mates generally it's it's pretty cool but there's always that focus of like i'm here to have fun but then i'm here to race tomorrow as well so like getting that balance is is tricky eh? it definitely is the so how to when when stop it like by by having those pauses number one your like adrenaline will calm down a little bit and then you'll be able to be more aware of how tired you are 
So okay. like after you've done those three, when you when you actually sit down and have lunch, you'll leave you might sit down and nearly fall asleep and think, Jesus, I don't even want to go back up. So that's a bit of a hint that maybe energy levels are low and as you're feeling a bit ill, maybe you know, that's higher chance that's gonna happen. Um or you might sit down and sure you you get a little bit of a lull because you the adrenaline's coming off, but like you might be like, Yeah, cool, know where we're at, I can go and do another three of these now or or whatever is needed, you know. So um uh, allow yourself times in the day to actually like listen to your body and and those times me need a bit of pause um i like I, i'm generally not that good at it i'm good at because i'm not that good at it during the day uh i plan it like beforehand if you know what i mean okay. like i make i know i know what i would be like so i plan it but when my adrenaline's going i just love it and like want to get up there because and and if you think about it that cycle that we've just done of like information gather then deliver that cycle you could do as many times as you want through the day couldn't you you could then yeah. go back up if you think about it you you the next step really in the afternoon and, and it'd be nice if you could still squeeze another couple of runs at least out is that you then you've 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 done your run you 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 then look at it and if you've done it on gopro even better if you've got that opportunity uh it has to be on the handlebars nowadays doesn't it british british races but um uh you've you've had a look at your run you've analyzed it then you can then go, okay, cool. Let's go and have another look at those couple of sections that didn't go very well. You know, let's go and change my line or change my approach that I ride those sections, the, you know, the way I've ridden them um, and see if I need to, you know, and, and make some changes there. And then if you've got the energy, you do another one of those runs in the afternoon. If you okay. have, like I would, to be fair, I would, I'd go after lunch and then another one in the, in the afternoon um, and and it would be over about a sort of seven run time. Um, yeah. Uh, between six and eight, I guess. But but if you haven't got that energy, then maybe you don't do that. But at least you've done some of the fixing from the one that you've um, got from yeah. the run that you've done. Yeah, you've embedded the lessons you've learned, sort of thing. Like got that into your brain, ready for the next day. You you've touched briefly on like nutrition and hydration. It's something that I've definitely found different. I'm used to enduro racing where you're like constantly snacking and you're carrying everything you need with you. But obviously, at downhill race you've got no bottle on your bike you don't have like pockets everywhere like how are you just keeping on top of that because i find it pretty easy to almost forget again you get carried away and having too much fun and you just like loop in the uplift definitely uh different on race day to practice day uh and you know i'm not nutritionist so it's not my like uh, you know it's not my profession i suppose but some basic like on practice day i think like like eat well you know like like I guess it's like stay fueled if you know what I mean, and that's both during and after. Um, so regular still, like you know, arguably like have something after each run. You know, like have whether it's a bar, a banana, whatever. Like have something after each run, and then make sure you have a, have a lunch. I and I'll admit myself sometimes lunches on practice days I don't have quite enough, and it does impact me. The downside of maybe too big a lunch is obviously you can get tired from it. You know, if you're having to digest like like loads of pasta or something, you can get tired. And that's where on race day that becomes a lot more important of like reducing, like don't go and have a big lunch and then, you know, an hour later go and do your run. Like it's probably not great. So race day, definitely lighter foods for sure. Okay. Um, so you're not digest if you're digesting food your body's using energy isn't it at the end of the day so yeah uh, but if you don't have <laughs> if you don't have the energy so it's a balance for sure um but yeah practice day eat regular and often and still have a lunch i would say like try and be pretty normal with it 
Again, yeah. you don't want to give, give yourself bad guts. So you don't want to do some of this stuff. This is big advice for Enduro as well, that people get to race days and then they pour gels in themselves all day long and, you know, and all this stuff. And then that evening they're like, oh, God, I feel terrible. So, you know, equally don't change. You don't want to change too much to your norm. Um, uh, yeah, like some sort of isotonic or salt type uh, replacement is is good. Yeah, stay on the bars. Um have a relatively normal lunch and then um yeah like i say when you get to race day just just back it off a bit on in terms of lunch for sure yeah okay got you so let's say we finished our first day of practice we've done information gathering in the morning we've put that into practice with like a race pace run somewhere around the middle of the day we've gone up and like worked out a couple of the glitches from the race run would you then track walk again after practice like it's definitely an option at pierce to do that i think they do like a charity you pay a little bit for the uplift and uh they give the money to charity which is cool um would you go back up again um this is one thing that i think is okay to plan on the weekend and not okay. before the weekend because i think you know obviously i'm a big well into like planning early makes life a lot easier means you can have a lot more fun you know i'm, I'm like that sort of program really like rather than like don't plan, stress about it on the day, not have as much fun. You know, for me, it's like it's the other way around. Um, but there's certain things, obviously, you have to allow for flexibility. And and I think the track walk in the evening is definitely one of those. So, again, for number one priority is looking after you. If, if, you, if you think that, like, especially some of the World Cup tracks, but also British tracks, if you'd suddenly end up or you found yourself at Fort William you know yeah you're desperate to go and want to see that but it's probably a two-hour walk you know <laughs> like yeah. like if you're looking at the track as well it's that sort of time so um whereas if you're yeah hopton hopton's still a fairish walk some of the other pierce ones are a little bit shorter though aren't they so like number one like read your you 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 know if if you're worn out then probably and it's say it's really hot as well if it was in the middle of the summer or whatever then actually walking down a hill stressing out about a couple of lines that probably aren't going to matter isn't really worth it yeah um so like don't just so what i'm saying is don't just walk it because like you feel you should or you 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 think the magic's going to be in this track walk because the the magic's not going to be in that track walk the the answer isn't in that track walk and um uh uh, so yeah, look after you first and read read your energy levels definitely before you do it. Um, but as well, the other thing to then read or think about is then like, okay, so hold on a minute, I, I really am still messing up that one section. I can't, I don't have confidence in what's underneath my wheels. That's something. That's just something I often try to ask yourself. Is like, are you, are you do you know what's under your wheels? As in without you looking at it as you're riding over it, you know, like yeah, yeah. are you confident riding through that with your head up as such, you know, with you looking down the trail um, or are you a little bit like tentatively looking down? And if there's a bit too much of that, I'm tentative looking down, maybe it is worth getting up there and having a bit of a bit of a look. Um, uh, at that point, you'd like to hope though, that you know the way down, you know, like, as in you know the order of events as they, as they come so hopefully you're not trying to fix that. You're just trying to get a little bit more of an understanding of a, of a couple of bits. So, and with that being the case, <laughs> what I'd advise if you do the track walk is then to like maybe don't sweat it out. Don't suddenly get to the top and then walk down and then change absolutely everything. Because actually, based on your run, based on your GoPro, based on what you're feeling, you liked 80% of it. 
90 percent of it it's just 10 or 20 percent it's just a few corners and a few bits you want to look at uh and suddenly you've gone up there and rewritten the book which you only yeah. have an hour and a half or whatever practice the next day to fix so um don't rewrite the story just go up and maybe check on a couple of the bits that are that are you know niggling in your head so again if you are going up maybe knowing why you're going up like which, which bit size is it that you're going to go and focus on and don't get dragged into because there's going to be riders everywhere looking at everything right it's easy to get dragged into like oh there is a different little line there like definitely and and and, and then that's another point actually is that you, you hear other riders saying stuff and you suddenly think you need to be on it and all this that and the other and uh and 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 one thing we actually we didn't speak about when talking about lines is like like your commitment to a line is million times more important than which line you're taking and like i can't stress that enough <laughs> like like if you can't commit to a line but everyone go everyone else goes faster on it um but you can't commit to it it's it, 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 you got to think you're you, you, you're comparing you versus you, aren't you? Not you versus the other guy, yeah. or you know. So often, like you know, a national or whatever, people will see one of the, you know, Joe Breeden or one of the Charlie or someone, you know, coming through on a line, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, that's the fastest line. I'm going to go and do that line." And you're like, "No, that's it. Just looks fast because it's world champion or or you know, <laughs> nas- you know, one of the nas- top national guys coming through on it kind of thing, like." Like and it's really easy to go down that road, either with them or other people just in your category, and think, "Oh, he, he normally goes well in my category. I'll just do what he does." But if you've spent all day on a line and you're really feeling you can commit to that line, stick to it. So again, when you're doing track walk, just tweak the bits that you um, uh, that that you, that you need to, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Something you said there really stood out and made heaps of sense, actually, which is it's you versus you. It's not you versus anyone else. So it's like, can I ride that line quicker than I can ride that line? That's that's the question you're asking yourself, isn't it? Not are other people going that way and it's that and that's faster. It's like, can I ride that line faster than me on the other one? A hundred percent. Like yeah. at World Cups, naturally, like you know, like a you know, you you'll compare a, say a Dave Trummer on MS Mondraker to to uh a Laurie Greenland or whatever, you know, and you, these are both top 20 riders and, you, you know, you'll do that comparison. And and even in that scenario, there's an argument to say it's invalid, you know, because they're two yeah. different riding styles. But at least you know that they're both similar level and there's something to go off there kind of thing. Yeah. At a Pierce, the level is so much more, the variety of levels so much more. Yeah. And um, so it is UVU. And actually, to note on the UVU, in terms of mindset, if you think about it, it is UVU. You're racing you. You're not racing yeah. everybody else because they're not on the track at the same time as you. So a mindset thing is just to try to focus. You know, I sometimes say put the blinkers on. Like, don't don't get knocked off your path through the, way, through the weekend. Equally, sometimes it's nice to keep aware of what others are doing, but stay yeah. on your path. Then if your path doesn't work after the weekend, you can make that adjustment and go, hold on a minute, the other boys are sort of you know, doing this through practice, maybe I should try that, then that's cool. You can take that into your next race. Got it. All right. This is really good. Thank you. So uh, anything you do race the practice evening, like any rituals there for you that you find help or just chill out, eat good food? Um, Like I think the biggest thing here in the evening is back to this, like looking after the mind and resting that we spoke about when we were talking about the week leading up to it is like know when, like maybe do switch on for a minute in terms of like, right, 
have I got my is my bike ready? Have I, is everything good for tomorrow? You know, if I got my nutrition ready for tomorrow, like okay, you know, have I changed the type? Whatever you need to do with the bike, have you made those that bit done? Have you double checked the schedule and your race run times? You know, like get like do all that like planning and prep stuff, final bits and pieces that you can only do on race day evening. Um, and then once it's and and maybe visualize the track, rewatch your GoPro, sure, but biggest thing don't do it all night <laughs> so you've you've yeah. raised that like you know or do you just chill out and eat distraction for sure like chill out eat talk about something that's not bikes so that's quite hard in the environment uh, <laughs> that you'll be in um y- y- you know play a different game like you've, you've you've probably seen some of the world cup boys with chess boards more in more recent times i'm loving it because it's just another or reese used to have that i can't remember what they're called um that's that yeah so like you know some form of like distraction to not think of it uh not think of like the actual stuff tomorrow for a good period of time is is really useful and the reason why is um we will all, anybody of any fitness that rides downhill will all do this that you'll do an uplift day you'll do 15 runs in the day and you'll bounce up the next day and be absolutely fine you do an uplift day at a race and you do like six runs in the day and you're absolutely shattered and you're probably shattered because of the amount you've been thinking through the day more than the actual bike riding itself. Yeah. So so like definitely find time both in the day and in the evening to like turn off from all of this like what line am I on? Like where should I change? You know, there's the amount of decisions that we we have to go through for a race day is uh, for a race weekend is hilarious. Um, but a lot of them you've asked yourself about a million times and you've answered them about a million times and you've thought about them about a million times. So like you know try to just pin down the decisions, get them out of the way, and move on with you with enjoying the weekend. Sounds good to me, mate. Right, so we're heading into race day then. Let's assume we've had a nice, bre- a good breakfast. Uh, and let's say we're at a Pierce race. So the way the race day is structured is you get two, pretty much two runs practice in the morning and they have to be full runs. You're not supposed to stop on the track. Uh, and then you get two race runs in the afternoon, which is a little bit unusual, I think, as a format, but is also pretty cool. Um, let's talk about practice approach first. Two runs to to get ready for what the afternoon holds. How are you approaching that? Um, race day is the easy day <laughs> like if you think about what we spoke about just now about all these decisions that are being made there isn't you don't want to be giving yourself many more decisions today right you, you know this is like it's like the no thought day is is how to work how I would word it because the work's done the programming of you as a human and um, is, is, is complete give or take a couple of tweaks. So I've sort of slipped into it there. But when I say slipped in, you just want to do that. You don't want to go too much down the road of starting to change the world again. Because let's be honest, in practice, you're going to get between some some regionals, you get a little bit more, but it's going to be between one and three runs, isn't it? Like one's probably enough. Two's, two, two's about right, I would say. Yeah. Um, uh, and if it's not a very physical track and, and or you need the extra run, then then yeah, do three, but two's good because, um, and and really in that practice, I would do the first run of like, that's your switching on run, still try and have some purpose to it, have some form of objective that you just want to go and retry that line that you looked at in track walk last night, or, you know, or, you know, conditions may have changed overnight. So you just, you know, checking in on if it's got a bit wetter or drier for that matter, whatever. 
Um, and then the second run, um, uh, uh, like full and flow, I would probably word it as. So if yesterday I kind of pushed you on full and fast, fast uh, taking into account the amount of information you currently have for the track, today it's like full and flow. Because at the okay. end of the day, this is about the day. The day is about you want to be fee- – if you're feeling good, you'll ride fast and you'll just relax and you'll do it well. So the run you want to try and get in is a is – a, and even I say full. If you don't want to do full, then maybe stop halfway. I'd advise full because you want to build that flow of the track. And and just feel that poppiness, feel that relaxedness on the bike, um, getting your lines. And let's be honest, you're not going to complete this objective or that target, but that's what you want to aim for out of that out of one of those runs, you know. And um, I say you're not going to. Some people may struggle to do it, but that's we, that's the aim for that practice session. Okay, like it. And then we've got generally like a bit of a break uh, between practice and race, and I find that probably the hardest part of the race weekend i'm not used to it and it's like you've gone from a full day of riding the day before then you've done these two practice runs you feel like you're up to speed and then like time stops and stands still and you're like sat around waiting to go up the hill like there's obviously there's a few things to prep like make sure your kit's ready make sure your bike's ready all that stuff make sure you've eaten but broadly speaking there is quite a lot of like sitting around on that sunday um, and I got pretty sleepy and I sort of found it hard to like switch on again. And I'm just wondering if you've got any thoughts on like how you approach that break in the day and like how you, how you switch back on to get ready for a race run. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so uh, like back to that kind of prep and forget bit that we did last night uh, or the night before, you know, like do the work you need to do to be ready, you know, get your drink and your banana if you take it to the top ready and um uh you know make sure you've got your gloves and your goggles and if you need them roll off tails whatever like get get all the stuff ready first um uh so that's your prep done you know know when you're going up and all the rest of that and then forget so like back to that if you hopefully if you're with your mates or whatever do some distraction stuff again um and this is also where the um I said about bringing a trail bike or something like a you know another bike because if you have it uh go just go for a ride you know like go for a spin you know and and and, and obviously if you if you're only doing a short spin do that near to your your race run unlikely that you're going to be taking uh turbo to the top it's tough to do at nationals like in, yeah. in and very unrealistic as a as a privateer anyway so um so like tri- go for a ride slash start your warm-up you know like and, okay and actually just riding around, like spinning your legs, you're not going to get worn out and you're going to actually feel quite good for it and um, it will relax you. You know, it's a simple way to relax you. Yeah. And are you doing any like warm up once you're up the hill? Because we, so for our first Pierce race, we'd like time the uplift, how long it took. So we knew roughly when we needed to leave to go up for our race runs. And we're all uh, on the side of caution people, I guess. So inevitably a few little delays creep in. There'll be the odd red flag or whatever. I think we ended up waiting around at the top for like 45 minutes for our race runs because we were way too early. Um, but yeah, like how do you get ready at the top? Because like you say, you're not up there with a turbo trainer and a mechanic holding an umbrella over you and all of that jazz. But is there things you do to get ready? Yeah, it's, it is tough at, at regionals and, and things because the uplift, you never quite know how long the uplift is like going to take. Um 
like you know it's like a 10 15 minute 20 minute drive as such but you don't know about queues race day generally the queues aren't going to be there because it's more yeah. for gentle flow so so you can sort of you can often guess that you know if it is a 15 minute drive you've got to obviously leave the pit and get to the pit the the it as well and sometimes they wait to fill it up so you know you're going to give 10 minutes ish for that um and then you want you know about 15 minutes at the top is probably enough for a regional because okay. you don't you're not going to get much more you may give a little bit more than that so if you think about that you you're looking at about a 45 minute um roughly from like leave the pits to uh to going and that and that's depending on you know location and type of person you are yeah um but then when you do get to top yeah it is it's tough you know like recently i've been i've been running like this okay. is, people have been laughing they, they the the other elites at the top sometimes laugh at me because i'm jogging up <laughs> off up the road like this they're like offer oh, a t- quick 10k is it ollie kind of thing and um like again i find it a really useful distraction it's probably not the best thing to do in like clip shoes and and uh uh you know on gravel roads or whatever but um but like i'm going to say at my ripe old age it's like a really useful way to like get my lungs go like get, pumping and my heart yeah. pumping and uh, get my muscles being used so some form of run if you don't want to do that because you will feel stupid doing it like i don't mind looking a bit stupid in front of everybody but people they're not used to people running if you don't want to do that then um um like more explosive type stuff so okay. um uh well explosive and activate so glute core activation for sure like if you can yeah. you know standing on one leg activates your glute so exercises yeah. around standing on one leg will help um and then some like jumps you know like like frog jumps or lunge jumps stuff like that because that's going to get the like you don't need to do too many though it's not a gym sesh but that's going to get yeah. you get you going um uh yeah so in terms of the body that that's it you got to just have you want to get like warm like yeah and i mean like warm um warm through and yeah. uh yeah exactly from the inside exactly that um and um and active you know because once you're active your adrenaline's already starting to pump at that point and and that's gonna like that's gonna get you through you know that's gonna get you get you going so um okay so yeah definitely that um yeah so that's in terms of body anyway yeah okay and mind ah so i I paused yeah because i didn't know (laughs) and that's the obvious other one because like 100 percent um uh, that side of things there, there's a thousand things you can do at the top anything from if you look at let's just say you look at de Prella, uh Thibaut de Prella at the top he's literally um like screaming in his helmet like trying to rev himself up and that's the type of rider he is and that's the kind of approach he takes look at other riders they're probably a little bit closer to pretty much meditating and trying to get into that really like focus whichever way suits you is you know and your riding style and you as a person um uh do that but the important thing is you try and take your you take away is you're trying to get to the point of high focus aren't you you're trying to get yeah. to the point of um uh of, of of this no thought thing and some and so which if, if one of those things makes you think too much it's probably not necessarily the right thing so um uh so something you know and then it's just simple breathing like you know you like i i do some simple breathing exercises trying to focus on breathing through my nose on this uh start gate and leading up to it um uh but balanced with 
do a visualization, do a run down okay. the track for sure. Like so many people don't like, and if I'm honest, I, I do, I don't forget it, but sometimes I don't have enough time to do a full run down the track. So like, yeah. do, do make sure, you know, get to the top, do that one final visualization because it's a free run, you know, yeah. your, 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 it's a little bit of extra program, programming of your, your body that when it needs to do the various things like braking and turning and whatever else. Um, so yeah, do the visualization, then work on switching off is the simple, simple thing. Okay. Sounds good. And then Pierce throw a bit of a difference in the mix. So a lot of, a lot of downhill races are a one run only format, but Pierce, you get two race runs, which I think is actually pretty cool. Um, a lot mm. of people say they like go for a bank, a safe sort of banker in run one and then go harder in run two. And often you'll see times being slower in run two than in run one, uh, mm. which could just be down to people like going a bit too hard, blowing turns, missing breaking points, I don't know, you know, that scrubbing average speed basically from a few little mistakes. But it's also, I guess, the point at which in the weekend you're the most tired, right? Your fatigue builds throughout the weekend and your last run down the hill is is also when you're most tired. Like, how do you, if you're at a pierce, like, how do you approach that two-run format? Do you think about them differently or is it exactly the same? I think there's two, there's a few sides to this actually. But there's, so I think naturally everyone probably even if they don't say it, has this like do the get the the banked run in kind of thing. Um, so understandable, understandable that they do that. And then, like you've as you say, call it go harder in the second run. Um, but I suppose that, that really that what we, what we want to push for is to try and like hit, hit your highest performance in both runs. You know, and like hitting highest performance doesn't necessarily mean taking maximum risk, if you know what I mean. So I think where, where you worded it then was almost like take less risk in number one and more risk in number two. And it looks like, from what you're saying, from reading the, the results, that maybe people will take too much risk in number two and then they crash anyway sort of thing. Yeah. So um, so I'd probably be like, oh, let's try and hit my highest performance, like as in try and hit the turns and the sections, you know, go into the run, deliver the run, in the best way I can deliver it, if you know what I mean. Um, now, sure, then it then just gets to probably those couple of small bits where where um, you may well just not go as hard. But I think the difference of like going, almost what we're saying is, well, let's go slow on run, run number one and then risk it all and run number two. Is For me, that's probably pointless, you know? Yeah. Go hard in both, but maybe there's an air of protection in run number one uh, versus two. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, feel that because it's a race, you have to ride faster than you actually can ride, if that makes sense. So, like, instead of riding at your best and your optimum, you try and ride beyond it because that's how you feel like you go fast, which you might get away with, but it's probably going to be scrappy or you're going to get hurt. Like, I've changed my approach to, like, I'm going to try and execute this as well as I can not I'm going to try and ride beyond my ability because someone said it's a race. Is that like, how do you think about that? Did we, did we, I swear we've spoken about like enduro racing years ago on a podcast to be fair. And I have a feeling I may have well said the same to you then, but the, yeah, hundred percent like, yeah, tr like do you have like a talent bucket, let's call it. <laughs> and the aim is to use the most, as much of that talent bucket as you can. And and if you try and use more than it, 
not not I'm not talking about how hard you work. I'm talking about how much you use your you know how well you execute your run, how much you use yeah. your talent uh, bucket. Is if you if you tr- if you try to use more than it, that's where that gives you in the realms of making way more mistakes, don't you? Like your bucket has a certain capacity to it, and that's that's the amount you can use. If you, sometimes you don't use anywhere near the full amount, so that's rubbish. And yeah. sometimes you use too much of it. That's also rubbish because you end up crashing. So, like, yeah, like try to maximize that by delivering, maximize your capacity um, uh, for sure. And and that's why I think, like, if you want to really improve as a racer, doing both runs, trying to maximize your performance, is is one hundred percent the best way because you'll learn more and more about maximizing performance. Same with yes. the run the day before. You know, when we were doing the the sort of full and fast run, you know, around lunchtime the day before and practice day. You know maximize your talent bucket based on that run you know like and and then you're, you're really learning how to draw the most performance out of you which i think there's a lot of races out there that maybe um struggle with that you know and they'll come away from races oh i know i was on the speed but i made this mistake that mistake the other mistake this that the you know and you're like well you're on the speed but the talent ain't there to deliver on the speed at the moment so why don't you go to the speed that you can deliver the talent on your talent on and yeah. then, and then, and then, and then, obviously, work on your talent and 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 improving that. Yeah. So with you, hundred percent there, mate. Hundred, yeah. like for sure, do that. Good. Okay. Yeah. And I guess the more time you spend working on extracting your best run, the better you get at it, and the more likely you are to be able to switch into that mode for a race where it is just one race run, right? So yeah, like you say, taking both runs with the same approach is is a good thing, I guess, in the long in the long game, anyway. For sure, and let's be honest as well. The other thing to think about there is it often rains anyway at um, at these races, like in the afternoon, or so the track. You got two different style of tracks anyway, and I think at Pierce, I don't know they, I don't know if they do it this year. I haven't done one this year, but don't they like almost count that it as two round into in the overall? I think yeah, they used to do this. You get I think so the overall. Yeah. You get points for round for both runs, don't you? But then obviously, just that race, you win whoever was fastest on the day. That's that's right, I believe. But because we weren't, we we're only doing two rounds out of the series. We didn't really worry about series points. But I think you're right. I think both runs count towards the series. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's assume then that we've had an awesome weekend on a bike uh, with our mates racing. Uh, we've done our race runs. We've got our result, uh, and the result is what the result is from uh, all the work we've put in over the weekend. But like, what are you doing with that afterwards? Like, are you are you putting some time into reflecting and looking back on the weekend not just your well, photos you on won't need, rain yeah i mean you won't need to reflect chris because obviously you'll have won it mate so you it doesn't you won't need to look at anything man you, when, when you, depends what competition the um but yeah so you, you analysis is always good and like everyone this is the thing like Everyone is different. So in terms of how you analyze is absolutely fine. Like some people just do it in their head, thinking on their way at drive to work or whatever. Um, other people will write it down and then have clear objectives, what they're gonna go one gonna want to work on on the bike, uh, or anything in between. So like um, you know, do what's right for your personality for sure. Like don't force yourself into things that you don't want to do. Um uh but probably the bigger thing, I would, it, and this took, has taken me a long time to get over in my racing life, if I'm perfectly honest, but try not to analyse Sunday evening. You might okay. be really tired. 
you've just come down. In fact, I know some races, and I used I managed to get rid of this. I don't know, maybe only like five or so years ago, but is um like d- definitely don't analyze as you come straight through the line. A lot of people do it, and they hit disappointment <laughs> straight. They have this like, and I remember. I'm not going to even speak to them. I used to have this like immediate disappointment coming through the line. And then, and to the point where sometimes I wouldn't even check the result, and I'd just just be driving home, and then like we check the result on the way home, and actually I was like tucked into the top ten at a national or something like that. And suddenly you're a bit like, oh okay, you know, that's uh, all right, that's all right, and, you, and you're redoing it, you, you're sort of reanalyzing based on the result, and it's all a bit out. So, so yeah, so one, number one, try not to analyze as soon as you come through the line or on that evening. Um, bring it in the next day, or even sometimes the Tuesday. Like, there's no, there's no rush for it. You're not going to forget it. And actually, um, it will make you be a little bit more objective when you do the analysis because you'll be a little bit more like you're relaxed, the dust has settled. Now let's have a look at actually what I did really well that weekend and definitely do the positive stuff if you're analysing. And then what, you know, what stuff that didn't work, you know? Look at did you do too many runs? Did you not do enough runs? Did you push too hard? Did you not push hard enough? Was the bike set up poorly? Um you know, was your plan wrong? You know, did you not prepare anything? Did you forget to take up? Whatever it may be, like have a look at have a look at those things in a calm manner on the Tuesday, and then you can implement them either in your practice, like when you're next on the bike or at the next race. Yeah, I think that's an to some extent is an age thing with that as well. I was trackside at the national champs, and I reckon eighty to ninety percent of all of the junior and youth fields came across the line shaking their heads and it was that like percentage dropped as you went up the age categories like you stand at the bottom of a pierce racer and all the old boys like us are coming down and everyone's like pretty stoked but yeah i think you just you beat yourself up more when you're younger right and as you get older you get more at peace with yourself maybe i don't know there's like definitely something to be said for like giving yourself a bit of uh yeah a bit of respect for what you've just done like and not just 100%. beating up on yourself. Yeah, and if you think about it, and this is the work that I did actually when when I used to have this like instant disappointment as you come through the line thing, is if you have that instant disappointment when you come through the line, it becomes like a well, a it becomes a learnt behaviour. So you you know you will just carry on doing it, good or bad. You'll just instantly have, draw to the negative, um, uh, and b it starts making you dread the run itself you know you're like because you know like even subconsciously you know at the end at the end of this run i'm going to feel like that badly you know so it doesn't make you look forward to getting to the end of the line like and it's probably be a more subconscious thing so like yeah, whereas if you come through the line going wow that was wicked loved it ah oh, buzzing you know like what an amazing run which i haven't i am now at people laugh at me because i like whenever they ask me commentator or anything i'm always like buzzing and then and then I, and then i'll like analyze and go oh yeah could have changed that couldn't change the other but yeah like the reason i'm buzzing is because it's then the next i like can't wait to do it again and the next time i'm out i i know that that run i'm gonna get that buzz again and cool you know and then but also then i might have done and will have done something i want to change again so um yeah, if you can put, if you can, it's not easy, but build in the like come through and buzz that you've just done a cool down or run um, and then analyze later for sure it will help. Nice one, mate. Well, that I think is a nice place to wrap up this conversation. It leaves me excited to go away and get some racing done this weekend. Hopefully this cold will have left the system. I feel like it's on the way out. I've got a couple more days before we're 
head into the track. So yeah, thanks, mate. It's been super interesting picking your brains on some of this stuff. And yeah, I feel like I'm in a been going in a pretty good direction, but definitely some stuff that I can add to the process and try this weekend and see how it goes. So yeah, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. No worries. Give it a go. Let me know how it goes. Nice one. Cheers, Ollie. Cheers. Alright, that's it for this episode of Downtime Goes Downhill. We really hope you've enjoyed it. A huge thank you to the brands who've helped us make this happen, and that's Canyon Bikes, Fox Suspension, Wahoo Fitness, Fox Clothing and Protection, Maxxis Tires, Magura Brakes, and We Are One Composites Wheels. To make sure you don't miss the next episode, give the podcast a follow by hitting that button in your podcast app now or by heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. Also, if you've got friends who you think would enjoy this mini-series, then please spread the word and let them know. That's it for episode six, but we'll be back really soon to talk about our final race of the season and how we got on. You'll also find out why I've not been on a bike since that race. But until then, get out and ride. <laughs>